Did you already, you already press the... I did. That's got the whole conversation from before on it too, so... Great. Um, but not the cameras. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Because <laughs> we just pressed record on those. We don't have... So those... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different f- workflow. It is a different workflow. Yeah. And uh, we're still getting used to that a little bit, and... The workflow is so different that it was not perfect on the first attempt because, mm. like, the batteries died in one of the cameras. It's like, ah, plug oh. it in. We've so learned we'll, so much. We'll get this worked out. We've learned we'll get so this much. worked out. So from the first, uh, from the podcast last week, we might post uh, snippets here, here or there for this one. It's like, we'll see if we can get uh, get the whole thing on it. Yes, indeed. Let's see if we can get the whole thing on it. Yeah. Cool. So, hi. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. I have so many questions. So many questions. Yeah. What's one of your favorite questions? Is the audio recording well in the cameras? Because we get the mics plugged straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's good. (laughs) It's all about gear tech questions, but Oh, so you don't have any questions about like me and my life or Uh I do. I do. What's going on? Nothing. How you doing? I'm great. Awesome. Sweet. (laughs) All right. Well thanks for joining everybody. Uh, We'll see you. Yep. See you next time. No, um, let's see. I'm good. Um, how many times have I said that now? Ooh. Trying um, to convince me or yourself. Right? It seems as though uh, in the last week I have made progress on purchasing a home. That's true. So that's a thing. Um, that's a thing. Yeah. And um, the other thing that I know is that this is episode 108. Yep. Which is a lovely number. Yeah, you've been talking about episode 108. Uh, for a while, mm-hmm. um, I've been not trying to bring it up too often because I don't want the bar to get too high on it. Oh, you know? right, 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 right. <laughs> Talk it up too much and then uh, yeah, who knows what will happen. Uh, what's your love for 108? Uh, it's a perfect number, I think. Um, one of the things that I like about it, I think, is that the traditional mala yeah. that I sometimes will sit with during meditation is a 108 bead situation. Um, and so I think there's a way in which the podcast being at episode 108 feels like we've been, you know, meditating one, one oh, pod at right. a time. We've made it around the mala. Yeah. We've made it around the mala. So what happens on the next? Yeah. We talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago. It's yeah. like, uh, season one, we did like, we did like seven seasons. We were cutting into seasons based on, well, like seasons. Like, mm-hmm. what are we, we were like, really into seasons. Like, at, and we still what are. What am I trying to say? It's like, um, like the sun moves around the mm-hmm. with the equinox. Moves, and I just taught them sugar depleted. So, like, because the sun moves. No, that was Copernicus. So it's like the Earth turns and equinoxes and yeah, rotation. Yeah. I'm a scientist here. <laughs> uh, astro, astro, astronomical seasons, right? There you uh, go. Astronomical seasons. Uh, but now season one is going to get reformulated into the first 108 episodes. Yeah. So welcome to the second season. Welcome to season two. I like that this we just kind of change what we're doing uh, whenever we feel like it. That's kind of... Um, well, we eventually do. We pivot. Right? We don't do it on a whim, right? But uh, we, I think, sometimes feel something is brewing. Mm-hmm. And then we just we, we figure out what it is. Right. I also think we see patterns in how things evolve. Um, and sometimes that's while they're evolving, and sometimes it's in retrospect. Right. Yeah. Right. But 
We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. It um, might be a good time for a pivot. Mm-hmm. Might be a good time for a pivot. And pivot, we have. We have. And we. I feel like we're getting, I want to say we're getting good at pivoting, but it does feel like we've done a whole lot of pivoting lately. Yeah. And it's like, do you want to be so good at pivoting that that's all you do is pivot? And it's like, then you don't have any, there's no there there. And all you do, it's like, I don't want to do something different every week, but. Do you want to do the same we, thing every week? No. So it's like, yeah, but that's exactly, that's where this tension sort of is, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think whenever we're looking at the, like, needs list, right? Right. Uh, one of the things that always strikes me is that humans need both consistency and spontaneity. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to this. Like, you want to be able to pivot, but you also want to take time to get your balance. Right. So you have to kind of right. do And then when both. you get your balance... You have it figured out, and so... It's time to pivot. pivot. Yeah, so exactly. Pivot. We've pivoted a couple of times. We just didn't call it pivoting. Right. Well, yesterday we did a lot of pivoting. What did we do yesterday? Did we? What did we do yesterday? Oh, we did a lot of pivoting yesterday. Oh, yeah. Now Oof, you got there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should have. Yeah. So our, our college unexpectedly had to close uh, in the middle of the day, right as we were getting ready to settle into a meeting. Yeah. And so first it was, well, I guess this meeting's not happening. Right? Then it's, we need to get off campus. Need to get off campus, need to evacuate. Um, And everything is fine, by the way. But um, we sat in the parking lot for half an hour. Um, With many of our closest friends. (laughs) Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, And then our plans for lunch changed. Yeah. And then we had a lovely lunch. Yeah. And then internet wasn't working. So then we pivoted again. Again, yeah. With plans of having a delightful beverage. And the bar wasn't open. The bar didn't open until four. So it just felt like a little bit of a day of, well, I guess we're doing this now. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, you had a presentation you you, you gave. I did. I and went home and like ate dinner and watched TV. You, you were still on the clock after we finished up yesterday. Well, and what's interesting even about that is I went home from the last place we had met a different way than I normally do oh, right. because I was trying to avoid traffic. And the way I went, it happened that there was a major accident. So I had to... Oh, the avoiding traffic resulted in yeah. a lot of traffic. Indeed. Eesh. Yeah, but then I finally got home, um, and I did a workshop uh, with some um, folks over at Angelo State University. Yep. Um, and so I recently sent them a shameless plug for our podcast. So nice. if those fine people are listening, hello. Hello. Um, yes. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so it, it was a full day of pivoting. Yeah. But what I found in that, is there were a lot? Of, there was a lot of space for discomfort, yeah. but I didn't feel any discomfort. I just kind of right. like, right. Um, it, yeah. It's just interesting, and I ran into people who clearly were experiencing a lot of discomfort, mm. um, but it just felt a little bit like, well, what are you going to do when you can't control? Yeah, you're sort of able to absorb the blows. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. More easily than, I don't know what the comparison is, more easily than you could have or that anyone could have. Or are you just better, I'm going to say better. You were able to absorb the, yeah. okay, we're doing this now. Okay, we're doing this. Because, yeah, it was like, okay, we're doing this now about nine times yesterday. Yeah. So. Eh. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. But... It's like, and we got our email sent and we got our work done and we. <laughs> yes. Things had a way of showing things up. Had a way of yeah, and getting done, and and it's like everything's fine, although not. Uh, well, I mean, expected. like what has 
has to happen for a day to be fine, right? Like any day that you live to see another one, isn't it kind of okay? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I sit in a pretty privileged position as I say this. Yeah. I mean, I've had days uh, on campus before and at, at my empl- any employer, not just this one, any, right. anyone where it's like, today was not particularly fine. Um, I am happy to say those days are in the minority mm-hmm. and certainly are now. And I can't, I can't think of a time in my life when they weren't. Yeah. Um, but I think every job I've had, it's like, well, that was a stupid day. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather that have not gone the way that it did. Um, yeah. And like based on little stuff that in like, as soon as I can remember what it was, I'll tell you, but it's like, it clearly couldn't have been that, you know, consequential, but it's like, err. Whatever my agenda or game I was trying to play at the time wasn't getting, wasn't getting agenda or fulfilled yeah. or whatever. So it's like, oh, this is a stupid day. Yeah. And then go home and it's like eat dinner and you forget about it in a week. But that's interesting too, though. Yeah. yeah. I actually think those days aren't too far in my rear view mirror. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. And I actually think I have to be a little careful yeah, I think careful about not falling back into those patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the world is weird and things can pop up that can just irritate the crap out of you. Yeah. And if you're looking for reason to be irritated, you will find oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Right? I can um, come up with five things that seem legitimate that I could say that I'm irritated at right now. Right? Yeah. Um, there's this random noise that, have you heard it? A couple of, of times, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know what that, that is. Don't what is that? He's playing basketball next door. Yeah. Like, I think it's really easy to find irritation. Um, but I think that's why the mindfulness practice exists, right? Like, yeah, the goal is to to ask, can I be with this? Right? Um, is it easy to find irritation when you're looking for irritation? Because it's like... There was some knocking out, out there, but I didn't think of it as being an irritant until you brought it up. And now it's like, yeah, that is irritating. Right. So, I'm not, not, but it's like you and I, I think it's a lot of the work that you and I have done in the last year. We have like deconditioned the pre-programming for finding things irritating a little bit. Yes. Right. Well, in, in order for me to come up with something that was irritating, I had to do a, like, a quick check down of like, what can I actually bring up? Because otherwise, like that... So I'm sitting in a room yeah, not much. With, with great sun coming in. Um, I'm in a space that's reserved for me to be able to do the work that I love. Yeah. I'm hanging out with one of my favorite humans. Boop, boop. Um, I've got a moderately decent cup of coffee with me. Cheers. Uh-huh. I'm going to drink. Uh-huh. You know, so there's not a... Good. It is. It is quite good. Um and it's the end of the day. This is the last thing yeah. I need to right. do for my day. So we had a canceled plan. We had a canceled plan. I love <laughs> Today, the canceled plan. Like, yes, that really opened up the, the the day. Yeah. So there's not like I actually like to be irritated. I really do have to think hard. And for me, one of the things that often is the easiest way to irritation for me personally is sound. Oh, interesting. Uh huh. So, like, the things that I can call upon to be irritating in this room right now are, one, the banging that seems to have gone away. So, yeah. that's no longer relevant. So, then I'll have to move on to the fact that I can hear the clock. Yeah, me too. I was thinking that too. It's like, the <laughs> clock is right there. We'll have oh, to... But we're in here all the time with that ticking. And I hardly ever yeah. notice it. Yeah, I don't know. Unless I'm looking for irritation. Yeah. So What kinds of things show up for you as irritation? Irritation? Like, right now? Yeah. Oh, he's furrowing his eyebrows. My, like. my brow is furrowed. I can come up with something. It's yeah. like, those two might have been it. I don't know. 
Um, I don't know. I got my car inspected. It passed. Uh, How irritating. Yeah. It's, no, it's like, it, it's, it's not, so that's not there. I'm not, it's like, I'm not even thinking about it. It's yeah. Like, mm. You had what you needed to do your job today? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the class was, my class was great. Um, uh-huh. You had a good yeah, the session clock. this yeah, the morning? Clock. Yeah, yeah, the, the clock. clock is the most irritating thing. <laughs> you had a good clock. session this morning. So, yeah. It's yeah. All, you know, it's like the clock is the most irritating thing. Yeah. But I think there are some things going on that I um that I could find irritating if I felt like I if um I had any part to play in how they go. Mm. Like big administrative things. Right. But it's like I don't there's nothing like they're not gonna ask me my opinion. If I do ask it, they're not gonna take it and consider it and make a decision based on it. And it's like for me to even go through the trouble of offering opinions on what I think should happen. Sounds like a lot of work for me, so I'm not going to do it. And so it's like, you know what? I'm just going to not even be irritated about any part of it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So this is this is kind of something that came up yesterday in the workshop I was offering. Um, because one of the, well, really the only breakout activity I had them do was go into breakout groups and imagine what the student-teacher relationship in a writing right. program would look like right. in the utopian university, right? right? In this idealized state. Um, and then they come back and, and tell me a little bit about that. And I think that there's a lot of reasons that we can talk about that academic spaces are not utopian, right? Like it's really easy to talk about all the causes and conditions that make institutions hard to work at. Yeah. But I I don't know. And maybe this is like a Pollyanna thing about me. I'm also willing to consider that the what it is that institutions are trying to accomplish is obnoxiously difficult, right? Like when you really get down to the fact that we're trying to meet the needs of literally thousands of people all at once. It's an enormous job. And so a lot of times when people talk about the irritations they have with institutions, it seems very personal. Like I can't believe they're doing this to us. And it's like, are they? Did they get up this morning and say, I'd like to make this individual feel unseen? Yeah. It's more complicated than that, right? Yeah. Um, And a lot of my own uh, sense of ease with uh, big institutional decisions came when I realized that they're actually not thinking about most of the things that I'm thinking about (laughs) on the daily. They really do, as you were saying. They have very different agenda items that they're trying to address. Yeah. Like, keep the lights on. Stay accredited. Yeah. You know, it's like they're not asking me for, you know, information about my classroom and what chapter we're talking about and how the labs go to, you know, get in my craw about something. They're literally trying to stay an accredited institution. Right, right. (laughs) Right, that one can get a degree from that's going to transfer to a four-year. So it's like, uh, that's what they're... Yeah. That's what they're working on. That's what they're thinking. They're not thinking about, how can we annoy Paul today in his lab? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't think they're thinking about that. They're thinking about other stuff. No. Um, but good news, we do have other people to think about that stuff, you know, like we have lab techs and we have deans and we have all this right. stuff, you know. So it's easiest to, um, I think, to cast a, a, a pallor upon those 
highest at the top of an institution or an organization because they're the ones you see the least. So yeah. the, the mind is left to conjure, you know, willy-nilly, so right. to speak, you know, with utmost creativity because yeah. you know, we know so little about um, the individuals that take up those roles, I think. Yeah. Well, and that's the, the power of the people versus the power of the system is something that's always really interested me. And this is why I did all the research I did on guerrilla practices, right? right? right, right. It's not because I'm just like really a big fan of Che Guevara. It's what I am interested in is the power of the guerrilla band. You know, the group of people who were working from not from the place of power, but from the place of passion and the, the place of a shared cause. Right. 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 Like who got work done. Um, but the main thing, like when you listen to uh, someone like Che talk about uh, what the guerrilla band does, the emphasis really is on the humans and the people and yeah. the connection. Right. Um, the institutions, like even as you're talking about, like they're not trying to make your, you irritated. No. There is no they, right? right. Like right. there are a bunch of people who work at an institution, but the institution, the institution is sort of dehumanized, right? Like, um, and so for me to find satisfaction and to feel supported in my job, I have to remember where humans actually exist within an institution mm -hmm. and stop trying to make the institution into a person because it's right. not right. Right. It's not, right. Yeah. And, and, and therefore people. they don't have agendas. They don't have emotions. They don't have needs and all, all this. No, stuff. they have budgets. Right. They, and have, that's they it. have a budget. They have a mandate. They might have a congressional, like a government reporting structure if they're a public institution in any way, you know? Yeah. You know, regardless of that, they have a board of directors that they have to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're a conglomerate of people yeah, it's all collective. meeting together to try to accomplish a goal. Um, and so for me, like, all I really care about most of the time, what do I most want in life? This relates to the book group we've been working yeah. through. What I most want in life is to not forget the humanity in every space I'm in. Right. That's it. Right. That's what right. I want. That's a good one. I just came up with that. It's pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, that is really good. Yeah. Because ultimately, I mean, you look around any large institution like this one, it's like there's doors, there's walls, there's buildings, there's brick, there's open spaces, there's all this kind of stuff. And then there are these people that reside within it. So yeah. even that in the zoo. Right. So to speak. You know, and so how do these how do these individuals, as individuals with their own personal needs at once and with the mandates of their jobs that they've taken on, operate within this mm -hmm. the geography, the geography right? yeah. of, of a physical place? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we can study this the geography. We can learn about our our context, um, but humanizing the context. You know, the mountain didn't make itself no, hard to climb. No, it didn't. You no, know, it didn't. it's. It's, it's being a mountain. a mountain. Yeah. yeah. It's mountaining. Um, you mentioned something about a book group? Mm, I did, didn't I? What are we talking about there? What I think... I, do I know anything about this? I think you do. Awesome. You, I ran it this morning. You ran it this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, professor of biology, ran yeah, off first a time book ever, group. Yeah. yeah, how'd that go? It was great. Great. We talked about... <laughs> <laughs> that's all no, I have to no, say. No, no concerns to report. Great. They're coming back next week, I think. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is what happens when you let a biologist. I just never. Run yeah. The show. Just, I've, I've never. I think. Well, this is interesting. Because like in fifty years, I've never actually 
okay, we have this book group and I'm, I'm going to run this thing for the session. Yeah. It's like, how did it go 50 years without ever doing that? I read all the time, you know? Well, I mean, what's interesting is I think there was a time where you got close. Uh, Remember? Yeah. The white supremacy group. Or, well, I was thinking when we ran the artist way group. Let me, let me, let me clarify the anti-white supremacy (laughs) group. Okay. I'm just going to throw that out there. Thank you for that. Clarifying. (laughs) For the record, we are not part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Paul will now edit that yeah, part out. That out. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, that, so the part, <laughs> <laughs> this is where I was thinking about the next thing I was saying instead of listening to what you were yeah, actually. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> but no, we had done the artist. Anti, anti-racism group, not, yes. the, not the white. <laughs> Me and white supremacy. Yeah, yeah. The, book, yeah. Um, the book group. Um, so we also did a group called the Artist Way. Mm-hmm. And there was a day where, um, remember, I spilled water on my oh, yeah. computer, yeah, and so yeah, I was yeah. going to have to be late, and I was freaking out, and so I was like, hey, you can handle this until I get there, and you did. Yeah, and I think I did. Yeah. So, I think I did. So this was the first time you had done it from start to finish. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so it's like it was, I've, I've engaged in behaviors that I rarely engage in yeah. when participating in a book group, which is like... I read the whole chapter. I highlighted things. It's like, what's going on here? I'd never do this. I know. It's very exciting to me, though. Like, I I saw your pages, and I try not to be, like, all up in your grill with, uh, like, the things you bring into the room. But I saw that you had printed and highlighted things. Yeah, I don't do and that. And I was like, I don't do that. wait now, what's happening over well, here? Well, I mean, but I mean, I don't do that unless I'm going to be held responsible for evidently running a book group with my peers and colleagues. Indeed. In which case, it's like, ooh, this is getting serious. So. It's getting serious. Yeah. Serious. But what's interesting is you actually read and highlighted the first chapter, which was before you yeah, knew the intro. you were going to be running the yeah, show. Yeah, the introduction, I did. Uh, so we still haven't mentioned... I'm taking it what... serious. I see that. I'm taking it serious. Real serious. It. Mm-hmm. We haven't mentioned what the book is. We haven't. you got Maybe a copy we... of it over there. I do, and you have the chapter over there. Maybe, I don't. Maybe we mentioned it at the end we of mentioned... last week. Yeah, I we mentioned know. it at the end of last week. Um, so we're reading... Mindfulness at Work, Flourishing in the Workplace. Mm-hmm. And we're leading a sort of, we might call it a hybrid book study group, right. um, where we have both space to do it online um, through our learning management system. Uh, and then we also have space to have Zooms yeah. um, to chat. Um, and then I hope other people are just kind of hanging out in the hallway and talking about it. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? That would be, but um, yeah, so what are you thinking about the book so far? I'm uh, digging in a lot on many, many fronts, nice. right? I think one of the best things I'm just going to like, well, whenever my students say, I'm just going to be honest with you about something, it's like, oh, God, what? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, what is it? So you're usually, just going to be honest with it's gonna me. Gonna be, yeah, I'm just going to be honest. Um, it's not a book that that, it's, it's not War and Peace, you know? No, it's, like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a nice little six chapter, little yep. thin little thing, um, but it's jam-packed with great stuff, um, practical things. Uh, exercises, mm-hmm. thought-provoking questions, right? So it's jams packed. So it's like the added bonus is like the first chapters, fifteen, hardly even pages, maybe 10. you know, ten or fifteen pages. I, yeah, I, I think I told you I downloaded this uh, the Speechify app. Yeah, and you can choose yeah, yeah. to have Gwyneth Paltrow read to you. So Gwyneth read it to me in ten minutes. Wonderful, an introductory wonderful. chapter. So yeah, so the one thing the book really is going for it is is that it's it's not a heavy lift for our fine colleagues, you know, because we we timed this just right, almost yeah. like we knew what we were doing, but <laughs> s- 
maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Um, it's like the, the the very last week of it is the last week of is, is like finals week or yeah. the last week of classes. So it's it's timed out to finish the semester really really well. Right. Um, <laughs> so I guess one thing I like about it is that the number of chapters equals the number of weeks left in the semester. It's a the countdown now. The closer you get to the end of the book, the closer you get to the end of the semester. Uh, um, mindfulness, mindfulness at work is a thing, uh-huh. right? And I think it's and this is I guess the more the more serious part of this part this conversation here. Mindfulness at work is a thing. And um, what is curious, I think, to you and I is that we're actually trying to, like, do it for reals. And yeah. what, what one realizes very quickly in this is that mindfulness at work is, is becomes more than just, you know, take a 10-minute breathing break between your classes and we offer an, an app, you know, to our employees where you, you know, where yeah. you can do little guided meditations. Like, that's great. What a lovely perk, right? Mindfulness at work cannot be a perk. You know, it, right. it can't be a, a benefit is that, you know, and you get, we meditate on Thursdays or whatever. Yeah. You know, because true mindfulness at work and, and to really to bring the work of, of mindfulness into the workplace um, requires a little more of an excavation of self, I think. Than, and I think some of the folks in our book group are starting to... To notice to, that. To notice that or knew that already and right. are now... Um, engaging in it or thinking about engaging it because it's actually happening at work during work hours right. with people they know yeah. with a support community mm-hmm. uh, run by professional content and facilitators, facilitators and yeah. you know course designers so it's yeah one of the things it, knowing that I mean we take it serious or we wouldn't do it right yeah well, and one of the things I like about the book and the, the intention of the group uh, that we're leading is the word at. Um, it's not mindfulness after work. Yeah. Right? And I think for a lot of people, mindfulness is what you do to try to repair what happens to you at work. Yeah, right. Um, and so this book, when I picked it up, like, I picked it up uh, on spring break um, right before the pandemic. So same time we started this podcast is the same time I read this book. Right. right? Um, and, yeah, you said that it's like, like literally right before the pandemic started. Yeah. It's like, we recorded our first episode the next day. We, we finished up and went on spring break while we were on spring break. I think like the Thursday or Friday of that, um, mm. my friend Mike and I went to a bookstore. We went on a long walk. We went to a bookstore right. and I found this little book, uh, at old town books in Alexandria. You get like, like me. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this now, and I don't know why, but we're gonna use this later. Yeah, you know? it's like I, you're coming home with me. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, and then we got uh, we worked with our libraries to get like a nice unlimited license, so we could not be the only ones at the college that read it. Right. And then all of a sudden, it just occurred to us one day, like, oh, let's do this thing together. Um, but what I really loved when I started working through is it wasn't just here are three meditations to do at right. the end of your day. Right. It, the subtitle is almost more important. So the subtitle is flourishing in the workplace. Yeah. And that's what this book is about. Like yeah. if you bring mindful practice into the, the center of the work that you do, you can find space to flourish. Or, I mean, one of the alternatives with this book is that you can discover why your workplace doesn't work for you. Right. Right, and that's sort of the the challenge that she uh, puts out, Maria Arpa, in the beginning mm-hmm. of the first chapter, which I guess we'll talk about next week, 
you know, with it's like, do we deem, are we are we trying to cope with the workplace we have, or are we talking about some other kind of change here, mm-hmm. with either how we relate to it or, you know, piece piecing out. Which you, we talk about this all the time. You and I know many people who have. Yes, we do. You know, where it's like the the decision came down to it's like it's okay. I need to go. I'm, yeah, I need, I need to go do something else. And um, but getting back to the the question that you know, is, is posed in this that we sort of tasked our participants with mm-hmm. last week um, that we sort of, I guess sometimes we sort of do feel like, well, if we're going to ask them, we ought to sort of come up with an answer for ourselves. We're usually, we're actually pretty good at that. We're actually pretty good at that. Yeah. We actually do taste, uh, try the try the sauce before we serve it to mm-hmm. others. We do the homework. Um, and she, she brings it up in this introduction chapter. It's like, what do you really want? You know, and it's like, I want to, I want to love my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I wake up in the morning and, you know, I don't be like, oh, got a meeting today. It's like, get up, boom, going to work. Yes, because I love it. You yeah. Know? And that's where I want to be. Right. You know, that's that's the position that I want to be in. Yeah. You know, it's like I want to I want to have a relationship with my job where it's like I don't have to really think too much about what work-life balance is because they both bring me joy, satisfaction. Right. Fulfillment. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have an adversarial relationship with my workplace. No. Yeah. And um, I'm here. Mm-hmm. So what do I got to do? Yeah. To make that happen. I know. I. It's so interesting because just thinking about things like how often I'm not at my job. Yeah. Um, earlier in my career, I think I missed a lot of. So I think when I was a college student, I missed a lot of class. Mm. And when I was an early faculty member, I missed a lot of class. And um wouldn't say you missed I it, know, but... we had this conversation <laughs> earlier this week. Um but it's an office space, right? <laughs> yeah. Required watching for every every everyone. Everyone. Yeah, but I um I would do that and it was largely it wasn't because of like a typical kind of like it wasn't a cold it wasn't whatever although I would call out sick um usually I was just so anxious um and overwhelmed um that my mental health made it hard to get out of bed and come to work and that was just my truth for the longest time and for a long time I just thought it meant I was broken uh or I wasn't good at my job or whatever and what I've noticed uh now is I'm here usually five days a week, even if I'm not teaching. Um, And I had to be away from campus for half a day this week. And it gutted me. Mm. Like, I was just so frustrated. Um, And we talked about this, right? Like, I was like, I had to miss class and blah, blah, blah. And I had to to be away from campus to take care of important things for the purchase of my home, Mm. right? And... You show up when that show happens, up when that happens. Right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, they don't leave you a lot of choice on some of that stuff. But it's still like what a world where um, it's disappointing to me when I have to not be at my job. Right. That's it's a weird thing, but it's right. true for me. And it's right. not because I'm a workaholic. It's not like a, I have to be there. It's oh, I was right. going to look forward to that conversation with my students. Today. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's like I love my students. It's like I, I mean I'm. All, all the all the things that I feel on Sunday evening when it's like, well, tomorrow's Monday. So I'm beginning with another work week. I guess I have to 
it's like it's all the no part of it is like the students or anything that's like well i guess i gotta post my modules i guess i need to come up with a homework i guess i need to, uh, you know it's all the should stuff yeah you know but it's like do i really have to do that and it's like the module i posted today it's like i didn't actually update it until like 10 minutes before i was like you know it's fine we all we all know what we're doing we've been working it's like it's just not that th- it's just not a thing yeah you know, I can, there's a lot of stuff that we can just sort of let go and it's hard to, it's hard to sort of talk about, but it's like, and just like, I'm not going to worry about that. Like you were saying before, it's like, you know what, I'm just not going to worry about that. And it's like, I'm just going to let it go. Um, I I don't have to watch the water boil. I trust that I'm just going to put it on the stove and it's going to boil on its own. I don't need to stand there and watch it and comment and have an opinion on how the water is boiling. Right. I'm going to put it in the pot and put it on the stove, turn the stove on, going to come back in five, ten minutes, see how we're doing. Yeah. Well, and yeah, like there's so much that just unfolds regardless of whether we're paying attention. And, you know. It's like it, whether or not you're paying attention is the least important part of it actually happening. Yeah. It's the least consequential part. Yeah. And, and the things that we think matter the most, like I'm surprised how how often I just get that wrong. Um, And it makes sense when I think about the faculty who made the biggest influence on me as, as a student, I, I don't even remember at what point in my academic career blackboard was a thing. So it's not because, Oh, they posted the modules to the learning bubble. It's not, it certainly wasn't that. Um, It definitely wasn't how quickly they responded to my work. Um, it was the human connection, right? Like um, one of my favorite faculty um, from Virginia Tech, I didn't even have until my senior seminar and I had him for six weeks, right? But I met him my freshman year Mm -hmm. and you know, like, you know, my life is profoundly different because he's in my life, right? right? So like trying to remember to measure myself by the metrics that actually influence not yeah. not all the shoulds of teaching right um and there are many there are many there are so many right there are many yeah what do you think makes the biggest impression on students in your classroom uh feeling seen and heard yeah. i hear that so much mm-hmm. you know i was just having a conversation with one of mine you were present for her. Um, a couple of days ago, and it's like, mm. I'm, I'm gruff. I'm a middle-aged man. You know, I yell at people all the time. You, student, do that thing. Put that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so it's like, why why do you think your dad is why why uh, the conversation? She thought her she was she was dreading a conversation with her dad. Oh right, you right. know right, and it was like because he's scary, and it's like why is he scary and you're not? And and she's like because you listen to me. Mm. you know um or it's like you give me you give me space to be my or it, like this kind of stuff right you know it's like being seen and be i heard it today mm-hmm. you know it's like being heard and being seen um if if you're not doing that in in the classroom you don't have them right they're not your students yeah they might be on paper but <laughs> they're your you're respo- yeah you're responsible yeah. for their grade but you know yeah oh, they're they're responsible for their grade, right? right let's and be clear. You're 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 doing paperwork. The administrative. That's, you're doing the administrative responsibility for this, but they make no mistake. They're not your student, right? Yeah. And um, the 
one of the most meaningful things about my job here, right, as a as a community college teacher, is that you know I have students, you know, and yeah. I look to them for support as much as they look to me for support. Right. Because the last episode, right, can you actually ask for, can Wait. compassion be a request? Yeah. It's like, hey, kids, having a rough one today. Can we have a little grace? Can we really use your help on what's going on? It's like, and they're, they're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Um, but they will only say, yeah, absolutely, if you do the same for them. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it's just reciprocal respect and um, space holding and reciprocal being seen, being heard. You know, once they once they know that you're in it with them, yeah, they'll go as far down the road as you want to go. But they have to right see that you're actually in it with them. Yeah, I it mean, takes I think work. That's important. Yeah, it takes work. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take work to like. There's not like a go to class, do this and do this and do this, and then you're gonna have you know it's, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it has to be authentic. Yeah, you know, so it's like the work one does is feeling like it's okay to bring authentic mm -hmm. individuality. Um, which you could sort of uh, shorthand in the vulnerability, mm. right, into mm -hmm. the classroom yeah. with you. Because, you know, the last thing that we want our students, it seems, to know about us is that we're human. You know, it's like, I hope they don't find out because then, you know, all legitimacy is lost. Right. Because every, every stake I have in being taken seriously is because I'm their professor and they're my student. It's like, we're all just you humans. know, we, we go so far trying to trying to not recognize each other's shared humanity. Yeah. You know, their ID numbers and we're, you know, a rate my professor ID score. Numbers. You yeah. know, yeah. and and that's the beginning of this relationship. Right. So knowing that that's sort of where it starts is like the, this relationship begins as a student ID and a rate my professor score. Right. Where does it go from there? Right? Yeah. Because under, the, under those layers lie people. Right. Which is what you were saying earlier about recognizing humanity and... And all the participants in this in the space I'm in the show, yeah, yeah, in the show that we're we're in. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, in one of my classes this week, um, I was coming off of I listened to the Ten Percent Happier yeah, uh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, yep. And in this episode, he's uh, talking to uh, I think his name's Ron Siegel. Siegel, yeah, yeah. And um, Ron is talking about the. The difference between making an impression and making a connection. Yeah. And so that just really, that really connected with me. Um, so I was thinking about it while I was in my classroom. And so I was asking them, because um, we're doing a bunch of stuff with like rhetorical situation and how the purpose for our communication shapes what we do. Yeah. And so I asked them, if I was trying to impress you, what would I do? And their answers to that were so different. I have to ask my students that. Next yes, week. <laughs> you, you absolutely do. Because what, so in my mind, oh, what man. I do to be impressive as someone who's been in academic spaces for a long time, mm. um, like I've worked really hard to develop this impressive CV right. and to have publications right. and, you know, all the things that in my head are impressive are not on their radar. No. Like maybe a few of them are like, oh, that's very interesting that you did this or that. Um, so when I asked them, you know, you, you know what they said? What? So one of them says, bring us breakfast. <laughs> and I get it, right? Because that meets their needs yeah, and it right. speaks to what is actually going to make an impact on their lives. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like another one said, give us less homework. And I was like, oh, I love you too much to yeah, do that. Yeah, right. You know, but, um, but it was just, and then the question of, but, th- but that's just how to impress them. And then when I asked them, what do I do con- to connect with you? That's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the end of the day, I can tell them, well, I'm not going to give you less homework because my goal isn't to impress you. It's to connect with you and help you meet these goals and to be, to leave my classroom a better communicator than I found you. Right. Right. Like that's my goal. Um, but it's just so funny how raw, like breakfast never would have occurred to me as a thing to do to impress them. Yeah. It's good to, good to remember that we're in a different place than they are. Yeah. You know, and if I was, if I was 18, 19, freshman, sophomore in college, I'd probably say the same thing. Yeah. I'd probably say the same thing. Yeah. You know, I could care less for. But it it also kind of tracks, right? Like with our workshops, what do we do that impresses our colleagues? Yeah, we bring them food. We bring them food, yeah, right? Yeah. Like humans are humans. Box lunch. Yeah. yeah. Feed them and they will come. Yep. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. Sorry. And it's not just because there's, there's a notion around that. And I've been thinking, I think about this every once in a while because, you know, anybody who does anything with like student life or student groups or any sort of gathering of events on a mm-hmm. college campus is like, well, if you want people to show up, you have to get them food. Yeah. And it's like the way that it gets short of talked about is that it's like a bribe. It's like, ooh, I know how to get people there. I'll give food. It's like, I actually don't think it's that. I don't think it is. I don't either. think it's that. You know, I don't think it's a bribe. And I don't think they see it as a bribe. It's care. It's care. Yeah. It's like, it's, um, it's care. It's compassion. It's, you know, we realize that we're, we're offering to do this thing for you and we're offering to, you know, hold some space and talk about some stuff. We are asking for some of your time, mm-hmm. you know, that you very well could do something else with. You know, the least we can do is satisfy some physiological needs yeah. of food, drink, and an available restroom. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Bathroom right. breaks. Bathroom breaks. Yeah. And um, I, I, I think it's, it's unkind and a little dismissive to just kind of make the assumption that it's about, you know, if we offer food, then people will go. If the only reason that people go to your workshop is because you're feeding them, is that what you want to do? I mean, is that how you want to play this game? I mean, yeah. Is, is the is the outcome how many people went to my workshop, or or did I connect with these people in a way that makes their workplace or school place more joyful and connected? It's like I I mean, a lot of attendees looks good, but I want people to have a meaningful experience out of it. Right. Well, and so I'm thinking about like how some of the statistics on like the importance of books in childhood homes, right? Right, like, right, right, right. Is it that the kinds of parents that have books are naturally going to be better parents or is it the books that changes the childhood? Like, you know, that whole statistic kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it makes me wonder, like, is the very fact that you're going to a workshop where the facilitators have taken the time to care about physiological needs does that automatically set apart what's going to happen within the space? Like, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to. I'm, I'm thinking of, I once went to this interview that was a, um, I thought it was going to be a lunch interview because mm. it was at noon. And so they were like, we'll feed you. And what it turned out to be was they put me in a room by myself and gave me two subs to choose from. One was with meat and the other was without. Right. Um, 
And then I swear they watched me through like a, a mirror. Um, it felt like a test, right? Yeah, it was a research project. Super Somebody weird. psychology. Um, but I just kind of <laughs> wonder, um, you know, I think that a lot of the, a lot of the sessions that are provided, professional development events that are possible as an academic, um, that I would not be moved to attend hmm. also happen to be ones that also don't provide for physiological needs. Right. I don't know. This might be a correlation right. thing, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, just even having the conversation about whether or not physiological needs are addressed kind of does tell you everything you sort of need to know mm -hmm. about what the, I don't want to use the word agenda, but like what, what it is they're trying to, to do. It's like people, a lot of times, for better or for worse, um, and a lot of times not intentionally, will can project what it is that's important to them mm -hmm. with how things are run yeah. and how things are offered and what things are offered. And um, I'm saying that knowing full well there's no way, there's no perfect time to do a workshop or something. It's like it's always going to conflict with somebody's schedule. You know, so right, like there's right, no right. there's nothing you can really do, although we try to accommodate as best we can. You know, is doing the workshop on a Friday afternoon the kindest thing to do? But it's like, yeah, but if you do it on a Tuesday, nobody's going to go because we're all in the class, you know? So it's, there. there's like, there's this ability to sort of wiggle to accommodate as many people as you can, but that's not out of, so a lot of people will go. It's out of, you know, I want to make this as accessible and available to as many people as possible who can benefit from it. So what's the right thing to do? Right. And if you're coming to your workplace, being mindful of work, being mindful at work, mm -hmm. um, the subtitle, Flour if you want to flourish in your workplace, yeah, right? Again, it's like, do you want to spend all your time thinking, you know, what can I do to for so a lot of people go? You know, and I think one of the things that you and I have, I wouldn't say stumbled across, I don't think it was an accident, I think we sort of <laughs> knew this, focus on doing the best work you can yeah, in a meaningful way, um, offered out of compassion and joy and the true desire for this workplace, not to just be a lovely place for me or a meaningful place for me, but a meaningful place for all of us. Mm -hmm. If that were your primary motivation, what would you do? You know, what, how would you run this thing? And addressing it in that way will solve every one of your concerns. I right. think we'll address every single one of your concerns. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it's like, you don't, you don't try to game it. So you get a lot of attendees, but of course you also take it. You always get attendance. Yeah. <laughs> you always keep account afterwards just because people who, um, whose jobs are, are that to do other things want to know how many people showed up. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to know that because they're the one that paid for the lunch. They had to do the purchase order. They had to do the other kind of stuff. Right. You know, so it's, it's like a lot of times I think we have this, this, uh, this sort of this mindset that, all my boss really cares about is how many people show up. It's like, that's not true, but that's the data they need. Right. In order to be able to do it again and help you out and to report to the person they're reporting to, you know, but the statement, like, all they care about is how many people showed up. I don't think it's true. Well. Because they, they want happy employees as well. Right. Well, this, I think it points to the questions that are being asked don't always imply values or priorities. Yeah, right. 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 Like, so somebody asking how many people attended that doesn't actually tell that doesn't tell me what someone values it tells me something that they're curious about right 
right? Like, right. how many people showed up? This many people showed up. Cool. Um, you know, one of the things that's been interesting about doing the work that we've been doing around mindfulness at work is how many people for whom it's not how many people show up. It's the fact that the work is available. Yeah, right, um, right. And I think even with this book group, that's part of the, the exigence for us is, you know, we're offering this book group because um, so many people have expressed a desire to be part of our work, but they're either not on our campus or their teaching schedule makes it impossible or, you know, Fridays is the day for meetings. Right. There are so many barriers to being present for the work that for some people is the most important work mm -hmm. to making sure they actually can flourish right. at work. Right. One of the things I love is like when there are moments where like we're doing a workshop in a couple of weeks on, um, Compassionate refusals. Yeah, and saying no. How to say no. And how many people I already know are, and just like when we did a workshop on boundaries, how many people can't be at these sessions because the struggles they have at work prevent them from being at the session that would help them find the skill set yeah, right. needed to address, you know, it's like... Very yeah, there's a chicken and egg. Yeah, there's yeah. a chicken and egg going on there. Yeah. It's like... If they knew how to, if they knew how to say no, then they would have the time to come to the workshop about how to say no. Yeah. So like, what do you do about that? You know, I don't know what the what the answer is, but uh, it was a successful workshop last time we did. That. The boundaries. <laughs> the boundary was successful, and um, to some extent, a lot of these workshops are on. No matter what the title is, it's how to say no in one way or another. Yeah. Um, and somebody uh, in the. In, in the book group this morning, you know, mentioned this and I won't go too far into it because that's the next chapter. Yes. You know, and uh, what happens in book group bit. stays, yeah, in, stays book group. in book group, but it, it's like, what does mindfulness at work even mean? And, yeah. and to really get into that requires one to do a, a, a deep dive on self-motivation, what it is we need, what it is we feel and how we're trying to get those needs met um, on, on the daily. Mm -hmm. And, that struggle may be why your calendar is full. That struggle right. may be why you think it's important to go to the to the workshops and do. And some of it might be why you know you joined the book group or, or something. Yeah. You know. So we're all trying to live this struggle a little bit on how do we reconcile? Who am I as an authentic human being working in this place where with a lot of people who, do, who are doing a lot of things, mm -hmm. each have their own sort of thing that they're doing. Yeah. But we're all doing it together. So how right. do we sort of meet meet together? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's an it's interesting work uh to be doing, and especially this time of year. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um so you highlighted things in the introductory chapter. A couple. Uh a couple. What, what kinds of things stood out to you? Um, well, on the very first, very first page of actual content here, mm -hmm. right? Uh here's a phrase that I I don't know if the word is highlighted or highlight. I would say highlighted. Highlighted, mm -hmm. okay. For that much unhappiness to exist, we must be telling ourselves that we are powerless to change things. Mm -hmm. Very first thing, right? Um, one out of every four people in the UK is unhappy at work. So it's like, if for that much unhappiness to exist, I must be telling ourselves we're powerless. So it's like, um, I, I work at my job, I'm miserable at it. Why, why am I... So why don't you do something about it? It's like, well, you're yeah. powerless. Well, because I think work, the definition of work is that it's work. Yeah. 
right? And so we feel like we're we're trapped in um, this pattern. And I think this gets into more of what happens within um, the next chapter or so. But yeah. I think I think there were generations for whom the idea of fulfillment at work was like a cute little thing for, you know, the 1%. Yeah. It was not what most workers could expect. Um, and so I think that there's, there really is this sense that uh, there is leisure time and there is work time and these two never cross. It's just business. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. business. And so it's interesting because although the way our lives have evolved, we've meshed the private and the public sphere um, we, we don't seem to want to mesh the idea of work and leisure. Right. Like, um, and there are good reasons for that. I mean, like, you know, you don't want work to take over, right? You need leisure, right. you need time off. Right. Um, but to see them as polar opposites or as two things that are, um. To mutually exclusive. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's not. Yeah, that's not where it's at for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I just highlighted on that same page uh, of the PDF version of it, right? Mm -hmm. The very last two two words on this page, you know, productive play. My aim is to share what I have learned through my passionate desire to tune work into productive play. And it's like, that's every day of my job here. Yeah. Is productive play. It's like, I found a way to, to make decisions and clear my plate and say no to a lot and say yes to some other things that it's like, I really have a lot of fun mm -hmm. at my job, you know? mm -hmm. and it's it's like, I mean, it's uh, it's hard to imagine a better a better job to have, you know. It's I, just I like, mean, what, what would I like? What would I want? Yeah, and I mean, it's like if. Yeah, I think that there's something so that's particular to me and my needs and what drives me and right proclivities and all that other kind of stuff. But it's like, oh boy, yeah. But I think there good, was you know there was a time in my life where I really, really valued productivity, mm -hmm. but I saw productivity as the antithesis of play. Right. So putting those two words together to me, at a time, it felt as almost contradictory as new normal, right? Yeah, if it's new, right. how is it normal, right? right? right, right. Um, if it's productive, how is it play, play? Yeah, right? right? Um, and like... If it's I, refusal, how can it be compassionate? Right, yeah, like how can these things coexist? But um, I do think like the more I embrace my classroom, for example, as a place of play, um, you know, I use the grot cards in uh, my classroom, which we talked about last week, yeah. the grot cards. I used those in my classroom for the first time um, a couple of days ago. Uh, oh, I guess that was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was yesterday. Um, right and, before the evacuation. Right. <laughs> yeah. What a day. Um, and I, I had a lot of fun with that. And as my students are reflecting on our class activity, they're also saying, like, I really like that activity because it got us all engaged. And I think we had fun. And so I think the lesson that I was trying to offer um, was engaged. I think it was productive, but there was a whole lot of play. And so the less yeah. I take, like, why do we take all of this so seriously? Yeah, 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 right? yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the most 
uh, liberating realizations for me that earlier that, that is like I've, I've really kind of flipped the switch on this all the way now that I don't think I did before. It's like I would always sort of walk around in any job that I had. It's like, all right, Paul, it's a job. You have to be serious. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a very serious thing that we're doing. You have to be very serious. Yeah. And I need to get a jacket with elbow patches because I'm faculty and I need to go, hmm, a lot and things like that and look like I'm thinking, you know, but inside it's like, in my brain, it's like tacos, Simpsons reruns, you know, (laughs) it's like stupid shit that I saw on the way to, you know, it's just like YouTube videos, like, okay. so It's throwing your aluminum can halfway across the room to the trash can. Yeah, the trash can from across the room. Um, It's pretty much that, but it's, it's like once... I mean, it, it's it's sort of not the role model that we sort of want in this world, but it's like the Joker. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, why so serious? You know, it's like, why so serious? It's like, good Lord, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, what is being so serious going to get you? Are you going to die later? Are you going to get more stuff? You're going to, it is, is, you know, it's like I've never found, you know, being super, super serious about all of it and, and trying to do what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do in the kabuki of all of this in any way increases my happiness or fulfillment or satisfaction no. in case it actively prevents it Yeah, and many times, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, and the, the thing of it is the more I look at life, like with a playful lens, the more I realize there's so much in this life that's just absolutely absurd. Yeah, it's absurd. It's, it's like, com- have you been outside? Have you seen what this world is? Right. It's ridiculous. Like- it is ridiculous. Um, if you want, it's like if, if you want to know what your kids are really into and, and what they're really thinking about and what really drives them, it's like get, get a TikTok account, right? It's like literally that's where they are. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you want some insight, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> they're not thinking, you know. Well, <laughs> they're simple people, yeah, they're right? Sim- it just reminds me of like I used to always try to figure you out and yeah. I always thought like there was some grand narrative. Turns out, folks, no, tacos really, yeah, and yeah. Simpsons references. It really is and, as simple uh, as, uh, as, as... That's uh, kind of it. Yeah, my work would be a part of who I am rather than an external role. Mm. And that people would come first. That's your... Oh, that's yeah, your you found that there. quoted yeah. in there, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Uh, my work would be a part of who I am rather than an external role. Yeah. So it's like I'm, I'm not a person who... And, and I have this job. I'm this person and this is my work. Yeah. And this is my work. And I'm going to do it goddamn well because yeah. I love it. And yeah. I enjoy it, and I'm going to make it fun, mm-hmm. and it's going to be creative play, and um, work-life balance. What are you talking about? Yeah. Then again, but I mean, that being said, my answering emails at 6.30 on a Sunday night, no, I'm not. No. Right? But it's like, that is not productive play. That is drudgerous requirement. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's not like I'm saying everything's a fun and games here, you know, but the default mode network going on up here you know that's been sort of that i've sort of baked into myself through a meditation practice (laughs) um is uh this is all a lot less work and there's a lot less resistance if i just let a lot of that go and it's like um my the work that i do is part of my life and i do it at this place yeah yeah well and and so why is that not my life too because my employer is getting my prime time Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. nine to five. Do I really want to, is, is that really the time when I don't want to be who I am authentically? Right. Because that's the best of me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but I think being able to clock out of it and leave it is important, right? Yeah. Like, so it's, I love this idea of not seeing it as an external role. Like I, and you and I talk about my hangups with this all the time. Like I hate the idea of performativity yeah. Um, and feeling like, you know, I used to do this thing where I would step out of my bedroom and I would ask Eric, like, does this outfit look like me? Cause I had no idea like who, like I thought I was playing the role of Sherry playing the role of whatever. Right. Um, Sherry will be played by Sherry Spears. <laughs> yeah. But I think the more I step into who I am, like I get to show up as me all the time. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, so seeing myself as someone who does the work of a professor and as a professor that allows me to show up as an authentic self, uh, a person who, likes to talk about ideas, who enjoys reading and writing, um, who is curious about people. Like all of that is true of who I am. And it matches the work that I get paid yeah, to right. do really well. But there is, like, I don't work on weekends if I can avoid it. And yeah, usually right. I can avoid it. Yeah, me too. Um, in my workshop yesterday, I was talking about how I don't grade on weekends. And one of the people in the session asked, like, how do you pull that Clutch off? Clutch their pearls and gasp. Right? You know, what? Yeah. And the thing is, is like, so I created this rule for myself. Like, I don't grade in the evening and I don't grade on weekends. And every now and then I'll break the rule for myself. And I'll tell myself, oh, this weekend you're going to grade. All that happens when I do that is I spend all week shooting myself. Yeah. Telling right. myself I should be grading. I should be grading. And then I don't grade all weekend. I enjoy my weekend less. And then Monday morning comes around and I kick my ass into gear and I get the grading done. Yeah. So I still end up doing it during working hours, but I end up bullying myself yeah, all right. weekend. So it doesn't so it works right. better for me if I just say, I'm not a person that grades on the weekends. Yeah. Because then when I start to tell myself, Oh, you should be grading, I say, No, you're gonna take this break so that you can be excited to see your student work right. on Monday. Yeah, right, right. Um it's not a defiant statement that, you know, I, I won't work on weekends. I won't work. It's like, eh, can't work on, can't, I can't grade on weekends. What are you going to do? Yeah. Work should not be expected it, it, yeah, of me on a, weekends. You know, the, the, the won't versus can't narrative, I think is super important with this. Cause it's like, won't is like, I'm making a decision not to do this. Um, and it's like, just go ahead and bake in the can't, you know, it's like, nope, can't do it. Yep. Right. Yeah. Can't do it. Um, for the same reason, I can't put my classes together for the fall in the middle of the summer. Right. No. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I can't. You know? Right. Can't. I, I love this job and I love my work. And I love being here. I love everything that uh, that I do with the kids. I love everything that I do in here. Mm -hmm. um, the work that we do. Uh and I will not do it without compensation. Either. Right. So it's like there's both. I also, you know, expect to be compensated for it. And I am. Well. You know, so it's like everybody sort of gets what they want. And so, however, because, you know, I, I'm on a nine-month contract. And so mm -hmm. it's like I don't teach in the summer because I learned long ago that I'm a better Paul for those nine months if I have those three months where I'm not, where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm just not. You can turn it I'm off, off so you contract. can turn it back yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I turn it off so I can turn it on. And um, do I get a little punchy by the middle of July? Well, yes. Yeah. Because you know, it's like, shouldn't I be teaching or something? And um, 
but it's like I won't put, you know, and every once in a while I get these compulsions. Like I should work on my class. And, you know, sometimes I'll think about it or look at a couple of articles or start thinking about something. But it's like, shut it down. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you love what you do and you're pretty good at it and you deserve compensation. So, uh-huh. hey, Paul, can you serve this committee in July to do this thing? Nope. Can't nope. do it. No, thanks. You yeah. Know? So it's like, will I do it without compensation? No, I can't. Um, we can we can offer you a, st- a stipend. That's a, no, you know what, I'm good. I won't. Yeah. You know, so it's like there is a time for can't and a time for won't. I think so too. And I, I think it's, part of this is just understanding that there are limitations to what we can do. Yeah, right. Um, this reminds me, this week I went to the home inspection for the house or the condo that I'm purchasing. Yeah, right. And the home inspector very honestly told me the limitations to what he can do. And so he said, um, I want you to know, I cannot look into walls and I cannot predict the future. Right. He can't. Yeah. And I believe that. Right. Um, and so I think that as academics, we, we get space to say what we can't do and what we can, right. right? Like, and I mean, is that a can't like, no, he probably can't predict the future. Um, but you know, might there be a way he might have been able to figure out a way to get into the wall? Could he buy equipment? Blah, blah, blah. Maybe. But he's not entertaining that. He's just saying, yeah. I know that I can do um, what's within the scope of what I've agreed to do. And I'm going to do it well. And I'm going to do it with compensation. And then when I hit the limit of what I can do, I'm going to stop there. Yeah. You know? Um, he, you know, at one point I was talking about something re- related to it. And he was like, I'm just the facts, ma'am. I just do the facts. And so that's, I think that there's real power in saying what you can and can't yeah, do. Right. You know, and this is one of the reasons I'm really honest with my students about like, after six o'clock, you probably won't hear from me before 930. You probably won't hear from me on weekends. You probably won't hear from me because I'm going to be able, you will have my full attention when I'm in front of you. Right. Because of my ability to take some time for me outside of yeah. the classroom. And what a wonderful, merciful, kind, considerate thing for them to know. Yes. You know, um, what a wonderful thing for them yeah. to know. Yeah, I don't want them sitting like, around gonna... chewing their fingernails wondering if I'm going to respond to an email. Yeah, I will. Right, right. and what a, what a wonderful behavior to emulate mm-hmm. for yeah. them, I think, too. Um, limits, like totally, boundaries. Yeah, limits, boundaries, all of that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, well, and this starts to talk about what we'll get into next week, which yeah. is thinking about the way that the teachers that we had modeled for us what we understand to be true of work now. Yeah, yeah. And something that uh, she does write about in uh, the next chapter, chapter one, is about, you know, you make rules and then you reserve the right to break the rules and mm-hmm. this is how you do it. Because you know? <laughs> like yeah. sometimes you do. Eh, it's fine. Yeah. You know, but it's good to have... Uh, it's going to have some thought process behind it and, and getting in touch with what's going on uh, when, when we do, mm-hmm. when we when go back. So it's like if you, if I, if I give a challenge out to every educator or anybody works at an educational institution of, or any sort of job at all, really, it's independent of any of them, saying it's like, what do you have to do today for the rest of this week and this, and this weekend to have an absolutely amazing Monday mm. where it's like you showed up to your employer to your workplace with joy and nice light heartedness and showing up well for your students, all of that. Yeah. It's like, what do you have to do to get there to where Monday morning you're on the top of the damn world 
Um, and it's like, I want to, I want to feel this way every day at my workplace. What do you have to do? Mm-hmm. What are the decisions that have to get made? Yeah. You know, how would you answer that question? Um, sh- much like you shut it down at night. Mm-hmm. Um, sleep is good. Yep. Um, engage in a hobby or two, mm-hmm. you know, do something else Yep. for some of that time. Uh, Little Paul time's never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Little Paul time's never a bad thing. Uh, I do like to cook. Mm-hmm. You no, know, says and cooking done. Yep. Uh, I don't just uh, solid breakfast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Solid, bre- yeah. And it's like a, I think what you said is it's right on it. It's like mm-hmm. you know, intentionally taking time away lets me do let, lets me be my best when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm on it. Not because it's like. Not none of this. I have to refuel so I can go back into the grind. Yeah, you know it's not that. It, it's like every with everything we do, the joyful and the and the joyless. There's a finite amount of fuel yeah. that we use to 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 make that happen. And uh, doing things that are not that oftentimes fills that tank for what that thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knowing knowing that i knowing that i love my job and i love my work that i do and that my kids are awesome and i'm really connected to them will let me step away from them during the nights and during the weekends mm-hmm. so that i can come back with eager anticipation to spend time with my beloved uh my beloved children on monday uh-huh yeah you know and well, they better be in class on time or they yeah. to talk to them and right. better if they're at work we're going to have a different chat yeah well, but I think that if we're constantly with them and we're constantly thinking about them, it doesn't give us space to develop the curiosity. Yeah, right. Right? Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just, at one point my therapist told me this, my, my husband and I used to spend like every possible moment together. Um, and she was like, you know, if when you do that, it doesn't give you something to have to report back to each other about. Yeah, right. Because like... I don't need to ask you how your day was. I witnessed it. Yeah. Right. And I think the same is true for, you know, how we engage with our students, like give them a little space, give yourself a little space so that you can get curious. Like, Hmm, you know, how, how did that activity we did last class go? Yeah. Let them sleep on it. Let them process it and then come back and show you how it's showing up. For yeah. Them. Or yeah. gasp. <gasps> so how was the weekend kids? Hmm. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys do? Anything fun? Yeah. And they'll say, worked. <laughs> it's like, tell me more. So I mean, but it's but it's like letting them go to have their weekend, you know, it's like it gives you this wonderful way to connect with them on Monday morning, ask them how their weekend was. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not that hard. Yeah. For um, spring break, one of the things I told them was to to do something that was restful for them. Yeah. Uh and one of mine is really interested in video game design. Mm. Um, and so he turned in his scholar's log, which is a regular activity that I have them submit. And, uh, within that was a link to, um, a demo of the game that he's designing. And one of the things he said in that was, um, and I'm super excited about it. Like I just read it today and I'm going to go home and play with it tonight. Um, he gave me access to play the demo of the game that he designed. Um, and I'm, what he said was I get to be the first person uh, to see the cool new. Yeah. So it's little things like that. Um, I think that there's this, there's something beautiful that happens in that mutuality 
of recognizing each other's humanity. Yeah. Um, and so, like, today, for example, I conferenced all day long. Yeah, you did. Right? Yeah, you did. And then I, you know, got to record this podcast. But Lovely. in a different time, like, say, two years ago, um, by the time you found me at, like, 3 o'clock after conferencing all day, I was nearly yeah, dead. Shut, yeah, shutting down. Right. Um, those would have been prime pickings for, like, easy Paul and Sherry fights. Right, right. right. Um but the only thing that I did differently was just remind myself all day long uh, that I get to sit and talk to people about reading and writing all day long, right? Like, that's literally my only job is every time somebody walks in my room to be interested in them. Yeah. That's all I have to do. I can do that. This takes care of itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, awesome. So, yeah. Cool. So what's our invitation? So uh, the book is Mindfulness at Work. By Maria Flourishing Arpa. in the Workplace mm -hmm. by Maria Arpa. Um, this was the retrospective of the introduction, right? The introduction. Next week, chapter one. Um, there's a link to where people can pick this up if they want to read along or, or check it out. Yeah, I really recommend it. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's a good one. It's a good read. Um, it, it, uh, it speaks, she speaks a lot to uh, the things that we're into, mm -hmm. mindfulness, and she talks about some nonviolent communication in there a little bit too, yeah. in, in parts of it. And uh, it's a good read. And yeah. so, yeah, if you want to check it out, go pick it up, give it a quick little read. Mm -hmm. um, you can listen to our musings. Yes, over the next few weeks. Over the next few weeks about it, yeah. um, as we uh, as we try to be mindful at work. And like, look at what it looks like to flourish. I think, we found some keys to flourishing. I think we did. Um, I think we and did. So what's interesting is I got so much out of this book when I read it when I wasn't flourishing at work. So I'm really excited to come back through it now that I'm in a place where I am flourishing. Yeah. Because there's a lot of tools for identifying, like, what are your pain points? <laughs> this would have been a lousy podcast five years ago. Yes. My job sucks, and these are the reason why. That person's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> I don't know right. what the hell they're doing over there. You know, I don't know why everybody's so messed so, up. Yeah, I'm like, delightful. Yeah. What's wrong with all these people? The only thing that's the same <laughs> is that I'm still delightful. Yeah. But I've realized everyone else isn't a villain. Yep. Mm, interesting. Good. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Sherry. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see everybody soon. Mm -hmm. uh, there she is. There she is. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bye.